Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 91st episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. It's so great to be back with you all after a much-needed vacation. I was in Antigua celebrating our delayed honeymoon, my wife's birthday, and our one-year anniversary. Antigua was absolutely amazing, beautiful weather, amazing food, and drinks all week long. Um, Don't worry, I had one for each and every one of you, um, so no worries there. I know a lot of us that work in the sports industry don't get to take real vacations. Um, This was the first time I've ever traveled outside of North America, and I highly recommend it. Go to those all-inclusive resorts. Um, They're amazing. This is a life-changing trip for me. Um, Hopefully more to come. Uh, This week, we have Katerina Burns joining us on the pod. She is the Director of Merchandise for the Worcester Red Sox, or uh, better known as the Woo Sox. Uh, There was no new episode last week, but I'm sure you all went back and listened to older episodes. Uh, There's 90 other great episodes back there in the catalog, Uh, something for everyone back there for sure. If you want a shout-out on the pod, this is where I usually do it. Uh, Drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. That helps drive us up the charts and turns more people into members of the TARP crew. I would like to share the most recent comment on Apple Podcasts, so let me get that pulled up here. This one is from Johnny Bolin, I know. Um... And uh, so it's titled Love the Podcast. Um, He is the Mississippi official ambassador of the Danville Otterbots. I am the Delaware uh, ambassador of the Otterbots. So um, already a connection there, but he uh, titled it Love the Podcast. I love the variety of guests and Bobby's inside the industry perspective of minor league baseball. Listen every week. Johnny Bolin. Thank you so much, Johnny. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, go go in and uh, drop a comment on Apple Podcasts, um, and I'll share it here on the show. And I'll share it on social media as well. So, um, so yeah, go, go ahead and do that. In case you missed it, you've been living under a rock or something, I finally decided to make a designated Twitter account for the podcast, so go ahead and follow that at Pulling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tarp Podcast and reach out about coming on as a guest. Um, if That's where businesses can reach out as well to become sponsors. If you know somebody that, uh, that owns a business um, looking for sponsorship there on a on a up-and-coming podcast, uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. Mm-hmm. And also, in case you missed it, we now have merchandise. You can now get Pulling Tart Podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art. 
There may be uh, some Pulling Tart Podcast stickers and Antigua um, in multiple places now. Um, but yeah, so go ahead and find that on the Pulling Tart Podcast Twitter account or on tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. Um, that's where you can fall, find all the merchandise there. With that being said, let's chat with Katarina Burns. Katarina, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Super excited to have you on. Uh, can you tell the Tarp crew exactly what you are working on this offseason? I know you get that from, from fans and family and stuff like that. Um, that's always the, the question, like, what do you do in the offseason? You know, but but really, like, like just explain to us what you got going on, your big projects this offseason. Yeah, so first, thank you for having me um, on here. Um, so I guess the, what I'm looking for in this offseason is the new in 22. That's like our slogan for next year. So just trying to figure out after our first season how we can enhance fans' experiences and then especially with the merchandise, like what kind of items we can bring in for 22 that's going to be new and fresh um, for our store. And then also there really is no offseason for retail. Yeah. This is one of our busiest times of the year, so um, we're really just working on all of our online orders and, you know, helping fans find the, you know, the best holiday gifts for their family. Um, so I guess the off-season for us is really just two months in January and February before we start getting everything in for 22. All right. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, working in small front offices, I realized, like, there is no off season really for anybody, but especially the retail crew, um, because because you know you got the the season ending sales, and then you you got the holiday sales, and then you got the planning for what you're gonna have in the store for next season, and and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, su- such as uh, the industry, I suppose. But um, so. Yeah. Last season was the first for the Woo Sox after moving from Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Um, and I actually Google mapped it, and it's about 45 minutes um, from Pawtucket to Worcester, even though it is across state lines there. Um, but can you kind of walk us through everything that changed in your world during that move? Yeah, so I was actually the one who was in charge of getting everything moved from McCoy to Polar Park. Oh, gosh. Um, So I was the last one basically standing, if you will, uh, at McCoy um, because every other department was working from home, whereas, like, for merchandise, we can't work from home. We have to have, you know, online orders being um, gotten out. Um, at that time, we were only online, so we didn't have a physical store anywhere. Okay. So I, myself and my crew were working from our, like, player family lounge. Um, and then all of our stuff was in the clubhouse, and we were packaging up orders 
And I might say that we were all doing this off of hotspots because the internet was cut. Oh, gosh. So we were the only ones there. There was no internet. It was freezing all the time. Um, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy experience, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I was in charge of the move from McCoy to Polar Park, so making sure that all the departments had things there, laying out a structure of, you know, okay, this is the first round of stuff that's going to be put into the stadium. So clubhouse stuff was the first thing. They were the ones who were there first with the alt site and all that good stuff. Um, so making sure that all of their stuff was in one spot, labeled correctly, um, working with them on, you know, what exactly had to be there, what was not staying or, like, what was staying, what wasn't going with us. Um, and then working with the other departments on the exact same thing, like, what do you need before opening day and what can come in closer okay. to, like, you know, middle of May, uh, middle of June, that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay, yeah, that sounds super complex, and uh, yeah. oh man, that sounds kind of terrible, actually, but I'm glad you guys got it all figured out. Um, seems like you guys had one heck of a season um, there in Worcester, so. And then just for your, for everyone's knowledge, it's Worcester. Oh, so okay. It's like Worcester. Worcester, like, you okay. Know, you gotta have the, the A-H at the end. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah, I, I I was gonna ask you that, but <laughs> but now I know. Okay, Worcester. Yeah. Okay, sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. Like I said, I pulled it up on Google Maps. It's about forty five minutes. So, did you have to move personally when the team moved? Yeah. So, um, thankfully, uh, when I first got hired, it was December of twenty nineteen. So I moved in in like. I think November, end of November in 2019, mm-hmm. and I sent a one-year lease, so that got me through um, November, October, somewhere in there of the 2020. Okay. And I wasn't sure like how it would be going between the two stadiums for like six months. Um, yeah. After moving, so I decided to find somewhere like kind of in the middle. Um, I live right on the border of Rhode Island and Mass, so okay. it, it was 30 minutes to McCoy for me, and then also 30 minutes to Polar Park. Okay. So I really, I, I had, I had to move to Worcester, but at the same time, like, I kind of just chose a spot in between the two cities. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That. I mean, I didn't know if you like went in with knowing that the team was going to move and like yeah. how that how that all worked out. Um, but yeah, a lot of our front office is kind of spread out throughout a lot of the. There's some some still in Rhode Island. Okay. Um, there are some in Boston. Um, there are some in Worcester, and then we also have some West Springfield um guys too. So like we're kind of spread out throughout okay. the entire like region. Okay, that's that's cool though. It kind of expands your your community outreach and stuff a little bit more as well. So um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so what has been the best piece of merchandise that you have ever designed? And that could be with the sod poodles, the Indianapolis Indians, the Woo Sox, um, you know, in Pawtucket, wherever. So I had to think about this one for a little bit. Um, and nothing really stood out to me until I remembered that for our 4th of July hat for 2021, we got to design them because there were the leftover hats. Everyone else was wearing leftover hats from 2020, and we obviously weren't going to wear paw socks. Okay, yeah. In Worcester. True. Um, right. So I got to design what that hat was, and we got so many compliments from all of the players, the coaches, the fans, the staff. Like, 
it was probably one of my favorite pieces that I designed. It was very simple. It was just like our heart W with a red outline and then stars on the inside. Everything okay. else was very basic. Okay, very cool. Yeah. yeah, the um the stars and stripes hats are always it doesn't it, it really doesn't matter what team it is they're always awesome looking so um, yeah but but it sounds like it sounds like yours was a little bit more unique so that was cool that's cool yeah they and they wore them all the time I felt like it was one of those hats where they were like hey let's wear this hat today and it's like it's like huh. the middle of August okay yeah right. shout out to the starting pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, So clearly, like moving from front office to front office is is different in its own right. But what has been the biggest difference in the merchandise departments between the Woo Sox, the Saad Poodles, and the Indians? Yeah. So I will say that with the Indians, I got some of the best experience um, working with my boss, Mark. He has been been with the Indians for 20-plus seasons, like something crazy like that. Um, so he has a lot of experience. Um, he introduced me to a lot of people in the merchandise world in my own baseball. So um, I was very lucky to have that kind of um, exposure and that kind of experience to start my career off. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is with both the Indians and the side poodles, they weren't located in the affiliates market. So like, you know, for right. the Indians – Pittsburgh isn't close and they're right around St. Louis, you know, they're right around Chicago and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And then for Amarillo, it was the same thing. Like they're in Rangers, you know, Rangers territory. Whereas here with the Woo Sox, it is Red Sox nation yep. and everyone bleeds Red Sox nation. Like you won't find, I mean, you'll find those, those crazy people who are Yankees fans um, every once in a while up here, but yeah. for the most part, everyone is a Red Sox fan. So I feel like that's really helped like, with the brand and like everyone getting on board with us okay. and being the loose box, um, that the sales have been great from it because we're right here in the home market. And then when the Red Sox are doing well, we're doing well. And it all just kind of is a great, great thing. Yeah. Yes. I, I kind of had that same experience. Um, I worked for the Williamsport Crosscutters who were a Phillies affiliate. So they were pretty much right in their market. And then I went and worked for Beloit, um, the snappers and they were an Oakland A's affiliate at the time. And an Oakland A's affiliate in Wisconsin is, is pretty strange. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you always have like that, you know, that one person that's a diehard Oakland A's fan in the Midwest. But, and then I moved to, um, Salisbury, Maryland, and worked for the Delmarva Shorebirds, and they're right in the heart of um, of Birdland, Orioles Nation. Um, so everybody's an Orioles fan here. So um, yeah, it is. It is really strange, um, but I feel like if you have good merchandise, and and especially with online presence and social media these days, like you can still really kill it with with the merchandise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we saw that with the Sod Poodles. Um, when we first launched, uh, we launched a campaign called United States of Saudis or Sod Poodles of America, something like that, mm-hmm. where we wanted to get to every state um, in a certain amount of time. And I think we got there within, you know, less than a month. We got every state to buy an online order. Um, so that was kind of cool. Like, it's just kind of the different, you know, marketing strategies that you have um, within the different companies. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. 
Um, so what made you, I guess, so how did you get into baseball and then like, how did you, um, decide to go to, um, Pawtucket at the time and now, you know, the Woo Sox? Yeah. So, uh, how I got into baseball is I did two internships from, from my home team back in my, you know, hometown, the St. Joe Mustangs. It's a wood bat college league. So okay. got the experience from, you know, the lowest level that you could, you could be at. Um, and then right after college, I went and worked at a, um, a retail store in the mall called Fans. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoyed working in retail and with sports. Um, and kind of got the experience. I I was a manager after like six months, and then um, after six more months, I was like, okay, I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to work in a mall forever. Yeah. How can I do something that I love? And I was like, well, let's put baseball and merchandise together. So I applied for a bunch of different jobs. Um, I got the call from Indianapolis. Uh, it was like middle of February, so the season was like right around the corner. Yeah. I flew out there on a Friday, interviewed, came back that same day, got a call on Monday that they wanted to offer me the job, and then I needed to be there in two weeks because wow. like, the season was here. Yeah, it was the craziest turnaround time. And my intern in that year started the same day that I did, so it was like yeah. a whirlwind of everything. <laughs> that's that's awesome. What has yeah. been your uh, favorite city to live in so far? It's a t- that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, so in Indy, there are so many cities that are so close. Like Louisville is only um, an hour away. So I would go to some of the road games there. Okay. Nashville, like three or four hours. And Nashville's my favorite city. Yeah. So if Nashville's I was that awesome. close to Nashville again, I would hands down be loving it. Yeah. Um, but I will say that I really like living here on the East Coast. Like it was a different experience. I feel like Texas was also like – you have if if you've never experienced living in Texas, you at least have to do it for a year because it is like a wild wild west out there. Like <laughs> it's their own, they are their own country for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I definitely think I like living on the East Coast the best. Maybe that's just because that's where I love my owl, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I like that here. I so I've lived you know multiple places too, but I think. The East Coast is the worst as far as weather and then as far as being a sports fan, too. Because, like, in order to watch, like, let's, you know, like, let's say a game starts at, let's say it starts at 8 o'clock. And then, you know, you're not going to bed until at least 11.30 at the earliest. And then you got to get up and go to work, and it's just a whole thing that I don't want to do. Um, yeah, I will say the time change, like the, how dark it gets here so early, like four o'clock is dark here. Yeah, that was a complete culture shock to me because, like, I've always lived in Central, and then like on the far, like very far side of the Central time zone, so it didn't get dark until like six, seven o'clock. Right. So. Coming here and it's dark at four. I was like, "What did I do? What did I get myself yeah. into?" Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it makes you feel. It makes like seven o'clock feel like midnight. Yes, it really does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, you know, working in the industry, I know you know things have been things have been crazy. Uh, fans have been crazy. So, what's the craziest situation that's occurred during a game that you've had to assist with? 
So I couldn't necessarily think of one that I've personally had to assist with. Like, I've heard stories of, you know, crazy situations. Um, but I think the craziest situation overall during a game that I've ever experienced it was an indie. It was, like, 2016, 2017, sometime in there. Um, it was raining so hard that our dugouts flooded. Mm. And in Indy, the dugouts connect to the clubhouses through a stairwell. Yeah. Somehow... I don't know, this, like, went viral on Twitter. Somehow, Louisville and our team found, like, little blow-up toys that we used for promotion, and we're wading through this very disgusting water with, like, floaties and, like, hitting, like, a baseball, like, they were hitting things off of a whistle ball bat. Um, It was probably the funniest thing that I've ever seen, (laughs) and also the grossest thing that I've ever seen, because, like, I don't want to know what was in that water. Yeah, oh, that is pretty funny. Though. It was it was great. The game obviously got canceled because our field was flooded. Like yeah. I've never seen it flooded like that before. But wow. seeing those players like find these blow up like swim toys and then think, oh, I'm gonna use those to get in this water. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's nasty, but also pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, you know, it. Every job description in MILB ends with other duties as assigned. So, what's your other duties as a sign moment? I think that has to be replacing cup holder signage. Mm. Or, or it's a close toss-up between placing, like, rally towels on every single seat uh. in the ballpark. And then in, in Indy, that's 12,000. Yeah. So, placing 12,000 little towels on uh, chairs was absolutely terrible um and definitely other duties as a sign yeah i would imagine yeah i would imagine that would get old like pretty quick obviously but if you like bring headphones and you like you listen to like music or a podcast i I mean i think you know there's a pretty good one out there you guys could probably listen to um but (laughs) but but yeah i mean that would get really old after after about the first thousand seats i would imagine oh yeah and it was one of those things where it was every fourth of july the rally towels were a thing and even playoffs so like we just knew it was coming to that time of the year again where we're like okay here we go twelve thousand rally towels let's get it all right awesome (laughs) that's funny uh, so let's see here. Uh, what's the worst excuse that a game day staff member has ever used to call out of work for you? Yeah, I feel like I haven't had like a really good one where I was like, Ooh. you use that excuse. Um, I feel like as a manager, I'm a very flexible person. And like, if you need to call out, just call out. We'll find somebody to, you know, to take your shift. Yeah. And I think my staff knows that too. So like, they don't come up with these wild, extravagant reasons to not come in. They just say, hey, my family has something going on this weekend. Can I change my shift with this person? Um, so I feel like that, that that has led to not having the crazy excuses that you typically would see. Wow. Wow. That's, that's really good for you because, I mean... Yeah, I've asked that question a lot, and it always blows my mind, the, the amount of excuses. But that's, that's yeah. good for you, though. Awesome.
what's the uh, weirdest interaction that you've had with a fan? So this actually came from this year. Okay. Um, I'm sure you know whenever major league rehabbers come and start, people that come to those days are just nuts. Yeah, like, for sure. They are the truest fans of truest fans, and like they really just want to like meet everyone. Yep. So somehow, uh, so just kind of a backstory. Our our like team store and the ticket office and the clubhouse and like the loading dock are all on the, the ground floor. Okay. So I'm walking from the team store to go to the loading dock because we had just gotten in um, something from there and I don't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. I encounter these two fans and I'm like, there shouldn't be fans down here today. Like, there's no reason for these two guys to be walking down the hallway. I wonder what they're doing. So I asked them, I'm like, oh, hey guys, you know, can I help you find your, you know, your seats where you're going? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're just looking for the clubhouse. One of the owners told us that we could go in there. And I was like, I'm thinking to myself, like, I know our clubhouse manager. There is no way he told you you could go in there yeah. on this day, especially. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. Um, do you know who the owner was? And, like, they couldn't name anybody. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I kept talking to them. And I was like, you know, what what brings you guys here? They're like, oh, we really want to meet Chris Dale. And I was uh, like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. Chris Dale already left for the day. Like, once he got done pitching, he, he skedaddled. Yeah. They're like, oh, man, like, really? And I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> if you if you just walk this way with me, we'll go to the lobby, and you guys can go back up to your seats. Needless to say, I didn't know that at this time the security was looking for these two guys. So they, like, come running down the hallway, and they're like, where are they? And I was like, oh, I took them out to the lobby, and I got them out of here. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay, great. Like, thanks for doing my job. <laughs> You did a better job than security. I, I, yeah, I don't know. And you were nice about it. Wow. Yeah, it was just one of those things where you you knew that they were down there just yeah. to him. And it, I'm sure Chris is actually still there. Yeah. I, I have no idea if he left or not, but just telling them that he that he wasn't got them to like leave and go back to their seats. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, so this is the Pulling Tart Podcast. Do you have any wild or crazy tarp stories? I mean, you. Yes. I mean, you're up oh, there yeah. in New England, so I would imagine. <laughs> well, regardless of the fact that we had beautiful weather for both May and June, okay, and like didn't pull the tarp once, so we knew that at some point there was going to be a time where we were having to pull the tarp every single day. Mm-hmm. That just happened to be in July, and yeah. we happened to play Scranton every single time that it rained like this. <laughs> Um, so we had played Scranton before, tarps basically every single day, pulled the tarp off the whole nine yards. They come back two weeks later, same thing happens. It continues to rain. They're getting mad that we're not pulling the tarp. And it's like, we're just doing what we're told. Like, it's not our fault. It's umpires. Yeah. So we're running out to put the tarp on. And one of the Scranton players is yelling at us, like dropping cuss words, the whole nine yards, because we aren't putting the tarp on fast enough or didn't do it in time. And I was oh like, that's my just, like, mind-blowing. Like, what are you yeah. doing out here, dude? Yeah. Go back into the clubhouse. Yeah. What else do our job? He, like, he knows, like, it's up to the umpires. Apparently it was up to us this time. So wow. I don't know. Ground crew's fault. That's what it was. Interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's I don't have any wild. cool stories uh, no. that, you know, I've or anything like that i'm gonna well that's good yeah yeah that's that's good all right um are you a 
old sneakers kind of person or are you a like crocs kind of person or or a rain boots kind of person or barefoot no boots are allowed on the tarp so okay they're not allowed that's strictly from our groundskeeper okay um but i would say that i'm an old sneaker person and i have three different pairs because the worst feeling is putting the tarp on having to take it off and wet shoes yeah so like i have to rotate like i can't do the whole wet shoe thing um so yeah i have three different pairs i also bring multiple outfits because i don't like the whole tarp smell of things um people always make fun of me on on our staff because they're wearing their dress clothes and i'm like hey i'm the smart one i'm not getting my nice dress clothes dirty i'm getting my gross tarp clothes dirty okay (laughs) that's awesome uh man yeah you don't i've i've had to pull tarp a couple times in like my my khakis and it's not ideal i've ruined so many i've ruined so many polos and khakis um that i yeah i mean it it probably cost me quite a bit of money to replace all those (laughs) over the course of time but yeah yeah you you don't want to do that. I've I've seen like GMs get out there with like, you know, they just came from like a business meeting in there in like a tie and a dress shirt, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. gosh, that's that's <laughs> the worst. But yeah. Um. So, what was it like working with former guest Tess Bloom in Amarillo with the Sod Poodles? I know you listened to her episode, and now she she's in the big leagues now. I know she she lost us. How dare her? Yeah, there's been there's uh, actually been like a handful of people that I had on the show that have now gone on to work in the big leagues, which is wild. That usually doesn't happen, um, but yeah. here we are. So so yeah, what was it like working with Tess? So working with Tess was such a fun experience. Um, we like to call her Tess the Mess because literally every time she brings in coffee, she spills it everywhere like it, it never it, it never fails like it's always on the ground like um or just anything in general she spills it um so it, it was it was a fun time working with her um we worked very closely because we had to do a lot of the marketing stuff for um our like branding launch and all of that good stuff um but yeah it, I'm, I'm happy for her i'm glad she's working with uh, the padres and her hometown team and back in her back in san diego yeah, Lucky. Slam Diego, as she likes to call it. <laughs> I also can. I am not shocked that she got a tattoo with that. Oh like, yeah, that's that one. That is wild. Very on brand. Very on brand, as she would say. <laughs> that that is wild, but also a pretty cool tattoo. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, we did have one listener question, I believe. I'll double check here. We have one from. Nola four four six, um, and they ask, "What is worse, uh, tarp pool or being in the mascot suit?" Oh, mascot suit by far. I will do tarp pool every day if I never have to get in that mascot suit. Which mascot suit has been the worst to be in? I've never been in one, so I'm I'm not going to speak on this. Nope, I I have what. I have. I have never been in the mascot suit. <laughs> I don't know. So that's why I'm staying tartful all day. I don't know how you've gotten away with not being in a mascot suit. <laughs> I know. 
Oh, I know. Trust me. I think it's because I'm too short. So, like, most of our people have to be taller, uh, except for mm. Smiley. Um, but I that I hope that I never have to see Smiley. It was the opposite for me. So in Beloit, everybody else in the front office was too tall. Um, so you would have seen like their human legs coming out at the bottom. So I was, I was the mascot quite a bit. Um, and I've been quite a few different mascots and I would say that being snappy, the turtle is the worst because he had a shell on his back and Mm -hmm. like, so you're, so like, it's like, you know, shaped, you know, like half an oval or whatever. And, um, like your back like conforms to like you have no back support Mm. and like your back kind of conforms to the shape of the shell and it just your back hurts for like a full day afterwards so um i'm i'm not gonna say anything but i feel like you should you should definitely (laughs) take a couple turns in the mascot suit we'll see we'll see what happens one day yeah i think i think you might have like I don't know. Like you've been you've been in the industry for so long, so maybe you've like aged out of it. May I don't know, but that's I'm hopeful. I'm yeah, hopeful. You you're one of the lucky ones, I'll say. But Yeah. So Katarina, where can the listeners find you on social media? Yes, so uh Catalina Winexa is both my Twitter and my Insta. That's awesome. <laughs> I've had that forever since college. Like it just makes sense. <laughs> great movie great movie um so during your minor league baseball career what has been your favorite walk-up song and whose was it and we'll put this on the spotify playlist um the pulling tart part pulling tart podcast walk-up playlist on spotify yeah so this is such a good one and i instantly knew exactly which one it was going to be all right um tony sanchez in 2015 had i will i will always love you oh <laughs> um by whitney houston oh yeah so as soon as you would hear that in the ballpark you instantly knew who it was because it's like why else would be playing that song yeah i don't know if it was like a bet or something but it it was just walk up for the entire year so. okay okay that yeah. all right I mean, it's a it's a banger for sure, but it is, yeah. yeah. And it started like right when it was like the that part. Okay, started. all right, yeah. We'll yeah. close we'll close out the episode with that. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll I mean, you you brought up Whitney Houston, and but so I just got back from Antigua um, a couple days ago with my wife. First time I ever left like North America. Great trip, all inclusive. It was amazing. And all the locals would ask me what my name was, and I'd say Bobby, and they'd be like, oh, like Bobby Brown. And I'm like, why, like, are you that behind the times that, like, they just associate everybody named Bobby with Bobby Brown? I don't, or maybe Bobby Brown just put so many, so many bangers out that, like, they just love him in Antigua. I don't know. Yeah. But, hey. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll close out the episode with some Whitney Houston. That's never, never thought I'd, I'd say that out loud, but, uh, here we are. So, um, thank you so much for coming on the Pulling Tart podcast, Katarina. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and, um, and yeah, let's, let's stay in touch. If you, uh, want to send some Woo Sox gear, um, over here, 
uh, I'll, you know, I'll support you guys for sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. Just send me your address and I'll get some gear for you. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Katarina. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And I will always love you. 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 You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.